Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. It's time for Sports Buzz, WMUL's weekly sports talk show with a competitive twist. Four enter, but only one will leave as this week's champion of current sports topics. And now, here's this week's moderator. Welcome into Sports Buzz, everyone. We have got a loaded hot plate of topics this evening. We are looking forward to quite a great show. We've got a loaded panel tonight, so uh, why don't we uh, start with Tyler uh, introducing himself, and we'll just work our way around the room. Yeah, uh, I'm Tyler Kennett. I've been out for a few weeks, but I'm back. Uh, last time was, I think, like right before the NFL season. So now we're a few weeks in. I'm excited. I'm Zane Townsend. Last time I was here, it was almost the first week of the NFL season. And whenever I was eliminated, I did say that the Chargers and Falcons fans have the most pain and agonizing failure to ever witness. Well, now it's looking like just the Falcons are experiencing pain and agonizing failure. I'm Christian Palmer, a Steelers fan that is experiencing pain and agonizing failure at the moment. I'm Ben Cower. I hosted it. Was it last episode or two episodes ago? I don't know. But anyways, Alex Jackson has won so many of these, I can't even remember. I'm back. I'm back. I'm going to try and dethrone him only because he's not in the playing field today, but he's our judge, jury, and executioner. A bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if that'll pan out. All right, so we got a lot of topics to get to here today. The first one, we're going to go to NASCAR. Oh. No, I'm just what? kidding. What? I'm just No. Kidding. We're not going to NASCAR first. No, we need that. Who killed Dale Earnhardt? We need that topic. Let's go to the NFL. All right, so let's talk about this. One undefeated team remains, and that title belongs to the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and company have got it rolling there in Arizona. They've averaged 35 points of offense so far this season. But are they truly Super Bowl contenders? Anyone can start. Yeah, I think they are. Uh, I mean, I'll go on record by saying that before the season started, I picked the Browns and the Cardinals to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, so I can not only say that I think that this is the case, but I can also say that I thought it's the case since the beginning of the season. Uh, Kyler Murray looks like the best player in the NFL right now, to me at least. Uh, I kind of expected them to jump up and, and maybe grab a wild card and go through, but now it looks like they're potentially going to look at a top-level seed. Uh I don't think that the Cardinals can go undefeated just because the way that offense works is throw it to DeAndre Hopkins. He's down there somewhere, and if he's not, then we're just going to run the ball on our feet. So it's like the offense looks exciting. It looks explosive, but I feel like because you have an explosive offense, one day it's going to blow up, and the Cardinals aren't going to win every game just because no one is at this point. It's too many games. But I think that of the teams, the NFC is kind of stacked, and I think that the Cardinals are the best. And more particularly, the NFC West is pretty stacked. And that game against the Rams, they absolutely smacked them. Like, I did not expect the Rams to go in there and falter the way they did. But I do feel like the Rams in their rematch are definitely going to go at them harder. And that's what makes me feel like the Cardinals might not be Super Bowl contenders. Because this NFC West is stacked. I can expect either one of those teams to go in the Super Bowl this year. Um whether it be the Seahawks, who, despite not having an offensive line, still has Russell Wilson out there chucking the ball. Uh, the Rams are pretty stacked. 
Matthew Stafford looks absolutely amazing after being removed out of Detroit. And, well, Detroit just has that uh, thing where everybody's talent just suffers there. And let's see, who else is in the West? Remind me. Oh, yeah, the 49ers. 49ers just had Garoppolo uh, out for now. Trey Lance absolutely did amazing in his debut, but uh, it's still a bit more to gather. And there's a whole lot of good defenses out there, too. I would like to see what the Cardinals can do against a defense like the Cleveland Browns or maybe even what New England did against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night. Yeah, I I think they are a Super Bowl contending team. The only thing that really leaves me a little weary at the moment is the teams they played. I don't know that the Titans are going to be that great this year, or will the Vikings or Jaguars likely not. Really like that win against the Rams, though. And I love this Cardinals offense. Tyler hit on it, and I was going to give him his props for predicting that they would have a really good season. It's started off fantastically. Murray has done an amazing job leading that offense. They have two running backs that I like, James Conner and Chase Edmonds. Connor, you only like Conner because he was a former Steeler. He scored two touchdowns this week. He's getting the job done. So, And I picked him up in fantasy, so he better perform right or he is going to be dropped for Cordell Patterson. But th- this is going to be a really hard team to stop on the run because Conner is almost their third rushing option. They have Edmonds, yeah. Murray, and Conner, you know, Kind of go back and forth what you want to say, Edmonds or Connor. They're both like top-level running backs. Right. They, they both have done a solid job so far, and I haven't even talked about D-Hop. This offense is one to keep an eye out for, and the defense has allowed 20 or fewer points in three of the four games they've played so far. I think this team is going to score over 20 almost every game. Well, I mean, the question being, are they Super Bowl contenders Yes, because they have one of, if not the best, offense in the entire league. But what stands out to me is that the Cardinals have a lot of versatility and depth, where it's not just, it's not top-heavy. You know, it's not their only offensive threat is Hopkins, you know. Uh, and also on the, on the fact of the running backs. I mean, their running game has been solid, but, uh, I mean, just looking at the stats here, Edmonds... You know, no running back except for uh, Edmonds' last game versus the Rams has rushed for over 100 yards. He rushed for 120 last game, but uh, again, they have two solid threats in Connor and Edmonds. And then receptions, Hopkins has only been the leading receiver for one game, and that was the first game for the Cardinals. Uh, since then, uh, Rondell Moore was the best uh, versus Minnesota. He had 114. And then A.J. Green, you know, we from the it. dead, People he's forgot back. About AJ Green. I mean, AJ, AJ Green was never bad. He was just hurt. Yeah, he, like, he's finally. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, he's in Arizona. It's the retirement home of the NFL." And yeah. he's he's cooking this year so far. He had 112 versus Jacksonville, and you know, receiving wasn't really the strong suit versus the Rams, but he had 67, which was the highest of anybody on the on the team. Uh, what what kind of scares me though is again uh, Palmer mentioned this is their the quality of their opponents so far where outside of the Rams Tennessee is shown to be completely inept this year. Uh, How do you lose to the New York Jets? I'm still reeling well, about. That. I mean they were missing both AJ Brown and Julio Jones. There's no excuse to lose to the New York Jets of all teams. I mean, then again, I mean, their defense has been kind of shoddy. Tennessee's not a contender, just to cut it down. Tennessee's not a contender. Minnesota is kind of up and down. They're 
you know, their defense is not that good and their offense is banged up. Uh, <laughs> Jacksonville. I don't Jacksonville. like how we do this. Why are we going to do this for every single team? We're just going to explain how every other team they play is not that good. Because so, I, I just think that you look at the well, team. Well, it matters. Is why you does have it to matter? Exp- yes, it does. What, so can the Cardinals just pick the teams they play to be good? I mean, it's like, so if a team gets lucky, squeaks out four six-game wins against teams with three more wins, does that make them a more quality team than a team that's blowing out three teams? You're talking about the record. Denver Broncos, too, in that argument. Well, um, yeah, good point. Well, the Broncos are also, you know, they're beating teams that are, like, combined for a terrible record. But I'm saying that, like, if a team is winning, just a hypothetical team, I don't care about if there is one, that is winning by three or four points a game, and they're beating high-quality teams, but they're barely winning, is that more impressive than what the Cardinals are doing when they're kind of blowing teams out? Well, if, if a, you know, the Cardinals, again, I think they're still Super, uh, super Bowl contenders because their offensive ability is pretty unquestionable. It's very raw, but it's unquestionable. Uh, but I would say a team that's playing much harder opponents and is winning by closer margins is much more impressive than just blowing out lesser teams. Uh, you know, as as Card- as the Cardinals did up until they played the Rams in Los Angeles and they held their own and they beat uh, the Rams, who were many were picking uh, Rams fresh off a of victory versus uh, the Box. You know, they're a good team and they beat them straight up. I'd like to uh, say that. What is a Super Bowl contender? And to me, a contender is usually when you're contending in the Super Bowl. But there have been so many offenses that have scored the most points in the NFL that made the Super Bowl but failed. The 07 Patriots, I they mean, we're failed. Not, we're not picking a winner here. 19, just the Kansas City Chiefs last year, they failed. 2013 Broncos, they failed. A whole lot of number one offenses just fail whenever they get to the big game. I could see the Cardinals possibly making the Super Bowl, but I do not see them winning the Super Bowl. But is there a defense in the league that sticks out to you that, you know, that is unquestionably the best defense in the league and they're just shut down and they're going to make the Super Bowl and shut them down? That is an equal contender to them? I would argue the Cleveland Browns defense because they have some pretty good shutdown corners. They got very good pass rushers. It's probably going to be impossible to stop them. I'd like to see Cardinals versus Browns, to be honest with you. It'll just be chaos. I mean, they got golf. stopped by the Chiefs. The eh? the Cardinals' defense is also top ten in every stat right now, I think, at least. Let me see. I'll, I'll check and make sure. But to my knowledge, I mean, they're not bad. I, I would say that I agree with your point that offense is in everything. So that's why I think that in any given game, you could get knocked out. But I do think that as long as the Cardinals are putting up more points, I mean, that's how you win. So I, I just don't see how the Cardinals slow down until somebody figures out Murray, which hasn't been the case for three or four years, and I don't think it will be for a long time. All right, guys, so we're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic, some good points there. Let's talk about the NFL. We'll stay in the NFL here. What coach has the hottest seat in the NFL right now? Urban Meyer. No doubt Urban Meyer. 0-4 start so far on a team that was last year already 1-15. and now they're like 0-19 since their last win. They're about ready to chase the Buccaneers' 0-26 record. And let's not forget what Meyer did after that loss in Cincinnati. Didn't go on the, didn't follow the team, went to a strip club. And, well, yeah, he got caught there, married man. He's And made that 
strange apology video that made no sense. I feel like he's lost the locker room already. He's a failed experiment in the NFL. At least Nick Saban could win a game in the NFL. Even McKay could win a game in the NFL as a head coach. I mean, quite literally, for Urban Meyer, he was getting, you know, talk about hot seat. He was getting pretty hot on that seat in the bar after the loss to Cincinnati. Uh Unquestionably, he's has, has has the hottest seat in the season, or hot, he's on the hottest seat right now. But you know, just the differ from Urban Meyer, uh, I'd say Joe Judge for the Giants. I mean, I mean, Urban Meyer is unquestionably you know the number one. But just to add some variety in here, Joe Judge is, you know, he's over disciplinary uh, with the New York Jets or Giants, excuse me, and they just don't look like a composed football team. I mean, their offensive abilities because of, dare I say, Jason Garrett. And Joe Judge has not showed any, I don't know, the, the team has some fight, but it's just a mess ultimately. I mean, you look at John Mara, the owner, kicking trash cans over in the hallway because he's so angry about how inept his organization is. And ultimately, you know, it's coming down to Gettleman, but it also is down to Joe Judge. And the players are, you know, angry. Uh, the team is a bit of a mess. And then also Matt Nagy in, you know. Chicago, but I'll let someone else have that talking point. I could argue right now that Jason Garrett would probably be a better head coach than Joe Judge right now. I I don't know. I I think that I mean Urban Meyer is probably going to be fired just because of the controversy. I don't think that uh, the ability that he had had anything to do with him getting fired. It's more so just what happened because I mean it was a team that no one really. Ex- I mean I expected them because I liked them, so it's like I expected them to win games. But no one and no one that really cares about football expected Jacksonville to win games this year. So it's hard for me to say that. He would be the case, and I think the similar thing could be said about the Giants, where I think the expe- expectations were kind of low. So, I mean, do you want me to be honest? I, Mike Tomlin? I mean, it's like, uh, can we talk about how, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't won a playoff game since 2016, but Mike Tomlin is held up as this coach that just wins. And I, I, he's, a, he's a great regular season coach. I mean, last year was a great season, and it's like one of those things where uh, Mike Tomlin does this thing every year where he wins his job in the regular season, but then he gets knocked in the playoffs. And uh, a lot of that is, is, in my opinion, it's bending to the will of Ben Roethlisberger, letting him come back and do his thing every year, year in and year out. But when, when he's gone, like, are you going to still keep Mike Tomlin too or are you just going to start fresh? Because Tomlin in, in his prime was the best coach in the NFL. I don't care to say it. Like, I just think that he was, like, the best there is. Development-wise, everything else, he could turn a guy that no one cares about into a star. And he could do that on any team. And and that's why I don't think that he's as good as he used to be because all of his guys are developed. I mean, you've got the best receiving core name-wise recognizably in the NFL. You've got one of the best quarterbacks ever. Uh, but he can't put it together anymore, and you're not willing to make a change because you want to satisfy the fans. And But here's the thing, though, Tyler. Steelers do not fire their head coaches. They retire. Yeah, well, they need to – I mean, that's why they haven't won a Super Bowl in a long time, too. It's like, well, you had a team that was, like, so stupidly talented that it should have broken up the Patriots dynasty and didn't win just because you want to have the the veteranness of Tomlin. And it's cool, but I, I don't know. I just don't – I just can't buy it anymore. I, I heard Nagy, that was going to be my other guy, but I think Tomlin was knocking on the door outside. It helps them and – Sometimes it kills them, the loyalty of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree completely with a lot of the points that you made there on Tomlin, but just as Zane said, it would probably take a number of losing seasons for them to 
even consider firing them? He really has been a letdown, especially in the playoffs over the past decade. But the Roonies have such a lenient policy. I wouldn't yeah. say he's su- super close to it, but I-, I agree completely. He's not done anything in the postseason since really that Super Bowl they lost against the Packers. It's too many one and dones, and even the playoff games they have won are games they were heavily supposed to win and pretty much just first-round wins. I, going back to your point, though, and I, I've thought about this before as well, do they fire Tomlin after the Ben, after See, Ben's yeah. final year if it goes so bad? Because I, I think that I define a hot seat more as what do the fans want more than what does the, the like organization want because the organization is going to do what it wants. And the fans, though, the fans are what consi- what makes a hot seat because, you know, everybody's rallying behind firing Urban Meyer right now because they don't like him. That's why he's on the hot seat. Well, I mean, to be fair to Tomlin, uh, Tyler, you gave a lot of points as to why he shouldn't be fired because he's, he has un- still has unquestionable talent as a head coach. Or, again, he still has that ability to turn uh, a nobody into somebody. And same thing, you fire him. Who's out there that's a better option for the Steelers? I mean, obviously they need to rebuild as an organization, but is there many coaching candidates that are out there that are just truly a, a upgrade over Tomlin in discipline, in you know, extracting that but is talent there a out better, of young guys? Is there a better franchise than the Pittsburgh Steelers to where if the coaching positions opens up, opens up that somebody wouldn't put their job on the line to go there? I mean, I'm sure, but I like what in an established head coach. Why well, I'm just I'm just saying, like I, I could see someone being willing to jump ship, but the college scene seems to be where 99 percent of the coaches come from. So it's like a guy in a college scene. I, I don't have any names because I don't. It's not like I'm like looking at the coaching depth charts of the NFL, but I'm thinking like if there's an established coach that wants to jump from college to NFL, but it's kind of queasy because he's like, you know, well, what if I get picked up by the Jags and they suck and I get fired in four weeks? You know, so it's like. <laughs> The Steelers, it's a team that's established, has a lot of players that where the, that transition is going to be a little bit easier for you. I just think that it's going to be an easier move. And I think to double down, Tomlin being a good development coach doesn't make him a good coach in terms of winning, at least in this modern era of football, to where everybody's doing so many different things that it, it just seems like he doesn't have it anymore. I, I just don't – I mean, in any other sport, a lot of teams that have fantastic development also don't win. I mean, I wouldn't say he doesn't have it anymore. Last season, they were they went ten and zero. You know, they they obviously he still has it as a coach. Uh, before I'll I'll pass this on to Christian here in just a second, but I don't think his his talent has diminished. I think it's an issue of just talent on the roster. If you give him a year or two to rebuild that roster a bit, his seat is not hot. So and you're it's, gonna play it's not hotter yeah, I mean, than Urban Meyer or Matt Nagy. This is the reason the Steelers lose, because every year is a next year. We'll do it next year. Every year is we're going to go next year. Same thing with the Cowboys. Every year is our year. And the Steelers, every year is our year. All these teams that have won in the past back in the 80s and 90s think that the game is like it is back then, where you can just build a team in the year. And it, it isn't like that anymore. I just can't. Christian, you had a point. Oh, I, I was just motioning at you. It was a 11-0, and 0, not 10-0. and 0. So oh, okay. I, I wanted to make sure I got <laughs> just that extra win. <laughs> There's another name we are not mentioning, gentlemen. A man who is in his third year coaching down in Florida, Brian Flores. He is in a hot seat, if you think about it, because he turned a playoff contender into currently a 1-3 and three team. I mean, that's because Tua isn't there. It's not just Tua. Even Tua was struggling. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, like, his, his style of play is crazy pretty boring like 
if you're watching like as a quarter, like if you're watching him as a quarterback, but he still got the job done even in New England and in Indianapolis, and yet even he is struggling in there because who the hell calls a bubble screen near the end zone? That's like calling a rocket screen when you're the Redskins head coach going up against the Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl. But I mean, he's not the offensive coordinator. At the, He's the head coach. I mean, he's the head he's coach, got he's the, the game plan for the offense. He's not the offensive corner, and you don't know if that was an audible or not by Brissett. That wasn't an audible. If that was an audible, there then there would Anything have been like some sort change of change in the huddle. You don't know. We're not. We, you, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think anybody even like really thought of that. Why would I call a screen near the end zone? That's what makes I'm it so still bad. trying to figure that out. A couple, like that's been a couple weeks. That's what makes me and think it's audible because it was so they're, poorly they're, timed. They're just getting absolutely destroyed. This was this was a 10-win team last year that was doing pretty well, and now they are failing at what should be a wild card team at best. It it's like the 2019 Cleveland Browns all over again. Expectations are killing them. I mean, that'll happen when you don't have your star QB. Who was struggling? I mean, what? He had three plays before he broke his ribs this year? I don't, I don't you know. He played against New England and won, but then the next week he I got mean, injured. But, I mean, he and won versus New England. And even then, he was struggling against Buffalo. I mean, he had like three plays versus Buffalo before they. He, they were being shut out whenever he got hurt. But, I mean, that was like deep in the first quarter. There was not, I mean. I don't know. I, I just don't think that Brian Flores is on so much of a hot seat because he has an excuse right now who doesn't really have an excuse is like Matt Nagy and Urban Meyer, especially for the, you know, what he's done on and off the field so far. And you just the quick shout out here. He's in the studio. He's He's been pointing at himself for the last 10 minutes. But Justin Zimmer has been saying uh, for the last month and a half, two months that Urban Meyer wasn't going to make it halfway through the season as the head coach. And we all, we all, you know, laughed at him. we all laughed at him, but here, here he is, you know, so smug in the studio, he laughing it up, ball. smiling, yeah, a crystal ball. Justin got this one right. I'll give him some credit. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to some college football. Everyone's favorite sport. How about the Cincinnati Bearcats this past weekend? Defeated Great. Notre Dame, their biggest win in school history. They're looking like the 2009 Brian Kelly-led Cincinnati team that went undefeated, eventually got destroyed by a uh, Florida team with uh, a player who actually played for Jacksonville as a tight end, Tim Tebow. That doesn't matter. Will the Cincinnati Bearcats compete for the playoff? Will they be the first group of five team to make the playoff? And if not them... There are some other non-Power 5 teams, such as BYU, who are making a little bit of noise. You have Coastal Carolina. Will there be a group of five team, and will it be Cincinnati? No and no. Uh, I I look at Cincinnati, the best of the group of five. Uh, Cincinnati is not going to get knocked down by BYU, not going to get knocked down by Coastal, just in my mind. I think that it's the most rounded team. Uh, Ritter looks awesome. Every time he gets on the field, he's amazing. And it's like this team is one of the most fun teams to watch. If you don't watch anybody play football, watch the Cincinnati Bearcats. And I just love the team. I love watching them. And I think they're awesome. But with that in mind, uh, the I hate college football, and I hate it so much. The reason I hate it is because the college football playoff is, is a money racket. And 
Cincinnati is not going to draw as much money as anyone else. So I think that even if – unless Cincinnati, like, rolls and, and goes undefeated, which I imagine it can, and can really just go to work, I, I don't know. I because Just because whenever I was watching that game, I was talking to my dad, and I was like, man, Cincinnati's got to jump up to top five after this, right? And then we looked, and it's like, well, all those teams above them won too. And you can't pick – if you got – 10 undefeated teams, and I know that's not possible, but like, say for instance, you got 10 undefeated teams to pick from, and uh, nine of them are power five, and one of them is a group of five. There's no shot just because it's the advertising speaks too much. I, I hate that. In, in a dream scenario, I think they should, but I just don't think they will because the committee sucks. Well, yeah. The one time we wish the BCS was still around, I mean, yeah. I would have been all in it for the chaos for Cincinnati to actually like be in the top like four uh, within like the playoff because like it it would just be chaotic, and I love the chaos of just these random sports teams coming out of nowhere, like the Seattle Mariners when they won 116 games. It's like how did that happen? And now we're having Cincinnati, and it's like well how did that happen? And well, I do think they make the playoff. But I could see them being eliminated like within the very first game. I, I don't I don't see them making the playoff. And even if they go undefeated, because it's looking at their schedule, they don't really have any huge contenders left this year outside of UCF and SMU. Where I, I think those are the only two teams realistically that could have an upset victory versus them. Because SMU has a pretty good offense. I mean, they're ranked right now. Uh they've so far just been lights out on the offensive side of the ball and then you have UCF who is always a pretty solid team I mean this year they're up and down a little bit but uh, I still think they have the ability to beat Cincinnati but I'm not saying that they will Uh, and then the only other non-power five school that or group of five or the only other group of five team or they're not even group of five but it's BYU BYU is the only other team that has a chance of even remotely reaching the playoff but then again uh they have a solid competitor schedule, which is honestly, it's a tougher schedule than Cincinnati has, and which gives them more of a chance. But then again, I don't think BYU is going to make that leap all the way to the top four over the next couple weeks. Uh, and then they have no ranked opponents. It's the same thing with uh, Cincinnati. They don't really have any ranked opponents except for SMU, who's ranked 24th right now. But that could change by the end of the season when they play SMU. So, I don't know. The committee hates teams that are not in a big conference, to go along with Tyler's point. You know, they don't like smaller conference teams. The underdog story is fun, but it doesn't make money. It, it doesn't <laughs> make money, and that's what college football is all about. Even if, I mean, if let's say this. Cincinnati makes it all the way, and they're let's say they go, uh, they have no losses, right? And then you have Oklahoma, who, let's say they lose this weekend, and then that's their last loss of the year. Uh, they're, the committee's going to choose Oklahoma over Cincinnati because of the quality of the teams they've played. But I don't know. I, I just don't think the committee is going to choose Cincinnati no matter how good of a season it'll be. And it'll just be another UCF where they complain about yeah. perfect record, but you know, no shot. I wish I had a greater variety of answer for you guys, but I, I agree with pretty much what you guys have said. Don't think it's going to happen. 
I liked a couple of the points Ben hit on there. They only have one other ranked team on their schedule this year, SMU, and they could very well fall out of the ranks. And while beating Notre Dame was a great win, Notre Dame honestly hasn't looked that great this year either. They barely escaped with a victory at Florida State, a three-point victory, beat Toledo the next week by just three points as well. I'm not sure at the end of the season even the Notre Dame win will look as good as it does now. I wonder if Notre Dame is still going to try to execute that offense. <laughs> All right. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to eliminate one of the competitors. Who will it be? Stay tuned. for award-winning coverage of Marshall Athletics is right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. A recent study found that the average American spends 8.5 hours in front of television, cell phone, and computer screens a day. Let's say that the average American lives to be 75 years old. That would mean that the average American spends 26 and a half years in front of screens. That's over a third of someone's life. Imagine a world where you spent the first third of your life in front of a screen. Imagine your only source of satisfaction coming from the sense of closure you get from watching the resolution of some petty, fictional 30-minute argument time and time again. Imagine the stale laugh track from some inane sitcom mocking you recorded from a disembodied studio audience. But then imagine going outside for the first time in 26 terrible years of isolation and feeling actual sunlight on your face. Do yourself a favor. Go outside. Enjoy your life. This has been a special reminder from WMUL 88.1, The Cutting Edge. Welcome back to Sports Buzz now unfortunately we have to say goodbye to one of our competitors and the first person that's going to be eliminated on today's show is unfortunately gonna have to be tyler i'm sorry but i feel like the mike tomlin being the hottest seat i feel like that that was a little rough for me and um uh for that one i think it's it's gonna have to be you sounded like tyler you sounded like a yinzer out of pittsburgh well i mean whatever when the steelers win like two games this year or three or four, then don't come crying. Go cards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we say goodbye to Tyler Kennan. He did a great job today. So let's go on to another topic. Why don't we uh, tiptoe back on over to the NFL? And we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit, but uh, they've, they've kind of struggled so far this season. They've, they've had a hard time getting off the ground, and uh, this is a big moment for them the, these next few weeks. Will the Steelers have a losing record for the first time since 2003, or will they somehow manage to keep it above 500 this year? Who wants the first point? I'll start. Uh, I'll let the Steelers fans start, Christian. I I know I often see the world through my black and yellow sunglasses, (laughs) but even I can see this clear as day that the Steelers are terrible this year, especially on offense. The the defense is pretty solid, uh, but they even haven't played great this year. 
a lot of talent on the defense, and they've been a little banged up, especially T.J. Watt has missed a good portion of the season so far. The defense will be fine. This offense, I, I don't know how it's going to get better. Averaging less than 17 points per game through four games, that's hardly going to win you anything in today's NFL. People have been going back and forth. Who is to blame? It's pretty much the offensive line and Ben combined. Najee is doing a great job, everything that he can. Often he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. Pretty much every handoff, he has the highest percentage of getting hit in the backfield than anyone in the league. The wide receivers, Tyler mentioned it earlier, a star-studded list of receivers. Everybody wants to say, oh, the Steelers don't have a number one. Well, they have like four good number twos, so I'll take that. But the line is giving no time at all for these skill players to make a play. Ben is playing terrible. However, the offensive line is not helping his case at all. He's a 39-year-old guy who has like four injuries right now. He could hardly move going into the season anyway. He's just not going to be able to do much with this offense. And look, looking down the Steelers' schedule, I honestly think they could very well lose their next four games. Next week, they play the Broncos, who have seemed a little maybe smoke and mirrors. Do they deserve the 3-1 and one record? Who knows, but they played a heck of a lot better than the Steelers so far. Then they play Russell Wilson on Sunday night football. Russell's going to outscore our offense. Well, I do have a feeling, Christian, that whenever they play against Seattle and how they have a lack of an offensive line every single year, that as long as T.J. Watt and them stay healthy, that the Steelers' defense is definitely going to be a problem for him. See, I think we could make the game close, Zane, but the thing that the Steelers will have to do is their defense is literally going to have to win them every single game this year. If if they are going to continue to turn over the ball at the rate that they have been, it's they're going to lose a ton of games. It's kind of weird that the Steelers fan right now is like very pessimistic. We get the Patriots fan in me is like pretty optimistic looking at the Steelers because you you say that unless the defensive the defense like carries them, then they're not going to win. Well, are you forgetting about the 2015 Broncos when they had Noodle Arm Peyton Manning? I mean, they pretty much carried him to a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I, I can see the Steelers having a winning record. I could say kind of a borderline wild card at best, but they will have they will probably finish off with a winning record, even if it's like third place in the division. Uh, they they always pull off close games, and what that first week against Buffalo, arguably they should not have won that game, but they pulled it like out of a hat and somehow well, won. I just want to mention on on that on that noodle arm Peyton Manning thing where they let I mean the defense there really led them to you know the Super Bowl but they had a really easy division that year I just want to say and this is an important difference between the Steelers situation and the Broncos situation in 2015 where the Broncos had uh the Raiders were still pretty bad at that point I mean Carr that was the year Carr got injured didn't he I thought I thought Carr got injured one of those early years 2016 uh uh, and then the Chiefs were kind of up and down with Alex Smith that was before the Mahomes era well here's the here's the thing though Ben here's the thing though remember the Chiefs made the wild card that like and then lost no they they beat the Texans then they made the divisional round and then lost to the New England Patriots Uh, now why is that they may have started one and five but 
they won the rest of their games and made the wild card. I uh, didn't Indianapolis do that in 2018. I could see Pittsburgh doing this this as well. Now, would it be with Ben at quarterback? Possibly not. I I wouldn't say it'd be Mason Rudolph Mason's either. I, mean, I don't think it's going to be Mason Ruff doing it. I think Dwayne Haskins might be able to pull it. I mean, you're just I'm just looking at the division from that uh, from I mean, 2015. Don't and forget, then Brock now. Osweiler was also the leader of that Broncos team at one point. I mean, yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, the Chargers weren't contenders. The Raiders weren't contenders. The Chiefs were, but they were okay. And then the Broncos, you know, obviously had that elite defense, and then the offense was kind of patchwork. But you look at the Steelers this year, I mean, their schedule is awful. And on top of that, you have the you know the Ravens and you have the Browns who are certainly playoff contenders, and then you have the Bengals who are a fun underdog so far. Their offense looks competent, their defense looks more competent than they have been since they last made the playoffs. And I think they're you know they're as of now. I mean they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So I, I right now the Steelers are the worst team in that division. I don't think they could beat any of the other three teams there. And then you look at their schedule. It's rough. Outside of the Broncos this week, where I think they could beat the Broncos, uh, they're not going to beat. They're not going to beat the Seahawks. They're not going to beat the Browns. And you know who knows? The Bears are improving as they actually give Justin Fields a game plan that works for him. Uh, and then you know the Lions have shown that they have the ability to stay alive. Uh, the Chargers are good this year. Then they face the Bengals again. The Ravens again. Vikings have had a very solid offense. Uh, you know Titans. Eh, you know okay. Uh, but just and then again, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens to close out the year. Looking through that, maybe the Titans they beat, uh, maybe the Lions. That's two. Bears maybe three, and then Broncos four. And then that combined with their one win already, that's five wins. That's not a winning season. I I don't see them going past. The, well, I don't I see them having a winning season ben, this year with their. I think the better example may have been the 2018 Colts. Now, in that division that year, you had Saxonville was still pretty good early on. Uh, the Houston Texans, they had the Sean Watson coming back from injury. They made the playoffs. Uh, who else is in that division? Uh, remind me in the South who? Oh, yeah, the Titans. The, t- the Colts had to beat the Titans just to even be able to make the postseason that year. So it's possible. It's a possibility that Pittsburgh can have a winning record. It's a small chance to make the playoffs, but I do not doubt that Pittsburgh will not have a winning record. I mean, Pittsburgh, all of their worst fears have basically come true this year, where everything they were hoping would be solid and would stand up is not. You know, maybe the O line will be good. It was not. Maybe maybe Ben won't be. You know, he'll maybe be a semblance of his old self. He has not been the O line affecting that primarily, and then injuries have struck them once again so i, I just they don't, got old quick they got, they got old quick and then those who are young are rather feeble and fragile <laughs> you look at devin bush and then deontay johnson and i mean there's a lot of injury concerns and i don't know there's a lot of uncertainty i just don't see them having a winning record this year so let's try and uh, sneak one more topic in here let's talk about the mlb postseason which is underway now and uh who do you think will win the world series I already said I like chaos reigning. And what else was more chaotic than the St. Louis Cardinals pulling a 17-game winning streak and somehow making the wild card? I want to see chaos reign in and see a Boston versus St. Louis World Series 
where the Cardinals win the World Series. I just feel like that's the most, like, MLB thing that would ever happen in what has been essentially a good year. The Rays are probably not going to be looking at much of a home field advantage because of the entire Montreal thing still going on with the ownership. The Astros are still facing a bunch of scrutiny. And, well, the National League, aside from the Cardinals and maybe the Dodgers, it doesn't look like it's going to be much of a competition out there. This is the team that I picked last year. They did not get it done, but I love this team so much. I'm going with them again. The Chicago White Sox. I love their offense. Last year's American League MVP, Jose Abreu, at first base. They've also had a solid year. Some rookie players like Yerman Mercedes gave them a great spark early on. All-star shortstop Tim Anderson. Some really good young outfielders in Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. But the thing that I love the most about the White Sox is their pitching. Went out and got Lance Lynn. He's been an ace this year. Carlos Rodon has turned into arguably an ace himself this year through a no-hitter and per- almost through another one. Lucas Giolito, another really solid starter. You need three good starters to go a long way in the playoffs. Usually they have that. And then at the back end of their bullpen, oh, just two all-star closers. And two guys that made the all-star team this year and Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell. If this team takes a lead into the eighth inning, it's almost over. Great offense, solid starting pitching, and a stacked bullpen. I'm going with the White Sox. You know, I think the easiest pick here would be the Dodgers. I think, you know, the Dodgers would be an easy pick. But I'm going to get with a more fun pick. The Giants. Oh, boy. And it's because the Giants... I mean, listen, everybody, this is why I led with the Dodgers point, is because the Dodgers, you know, everybody expects them to make it to the World Series again. It's probably, it might be a rematch versus the Rays, but really the team that held their own against the Dodgers this year was the Giants. They had a 10-9 to head-to-head record with, you know, with the Dodgers and on, in the regular season, and then they outdueled them for the NLS crown down the stretch. So they proved in crunch time that they are better than the Dodgers. And then on top of that, they had a franchise record 107 wins this year. Uh, That's another important factor for the Giants. Uh, You know, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk to the World Series, but I certainly think the Giants have legs and arms, obviously. To be good baseball players, you have to. Remind me, is number 21 an even or an odd number? (laughs) I don't think the Giants will make it because it's an odd number year. It's an odd. Well, I mean, even if it is an odd number year, I think they, I mean, obviously they set records this year, and then they, again, beat the Dodgers down the stretch. I like the Giants. I think they're a stronger team than most pe- most people think they are. And then on top of that, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't see the Dodgers going once again and winning again. You know, it's just gonna it's going to end at some point. I think this might be the year that the Giants, you know, screw up a couple trends and expectations and surprise some people by defeating not only the Dodgers, but uh, winning the World Series once again. The only chance I could see the Dodgers uh, could have against the Giants would be if Trevor Bauer did not get in trouble. All right, so 
We're going to be going down into the final segment. When we come back, we will announce who is getting kicked off the show. And we will have the, the final round of Sports Buzz. Stick around. No, Mom, I don't have time to brush my teeth. Timmy, if you don't brush your teeth, they'll rot! No! No! Little did Timmy know that would be remembered as the worst day of his life. After not brushing his teeth, he walked outside, and a car drove through a puddle, splashing Timmy, getting him soaking wet. Oh, no! After walking to school drenched, Timmy got the news that he was failing all his classes and then was kicked off the rugby team. Oh, man. On his way home after school, a gust of wind blew Timmy's hat into the street, and when he went to get it, he was struck by a vehicle. No! Now sporting a full-body cast, Timmy's girlfriend Jill dumped him. Oh, no! Because it's not cool to go to prom with a mummy. Did you know that thousands of Americans suffer from cavities every year? <gasps> Remember to brush your teeth after every meal. Who knows what it could prevent? This announcement brought to you by your friends at WMUL. Hey, Patrick, what's up? Hey, Michael, what's up with you? Uh, why does your voice sound like that? I know, it's awesome. I sound like a robot. You sound like T-Pain or Kanye. Yeah, that's the idea. Well, if you like the sound of those rappers, just tune in to 88.1 and listen to the new and old hip-hop hits. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Your voice is stuck like that, isn't it? Yeah, kinda. You moron. For the very best hip-hop, tune in to 88.1 WMUL-FM. Welcome back to Sports Buzz. Unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to one of our friends. The person going home on this one is going to be Zane Townsend. We are sending him into town. So, Zane, you, you put up a good fight today, but unfortunately, uh, you gotta go home. Did you seriously just make a pun out of my last name? I did, very much so. <laughs> well, for my send-off, I would like to say, Spanos, the Chargers should have stayed in San Diego, and I hope whenever you walk by a dark alley, you'll end up like Batman's parents. Oh, my. Wow. A, a true poet of our time. So <laughs> down to the final two contenders. Death threats here on, on today's Blanketed program. death threats here on. <laughs> Let's have a look around here. Why don't we go to the NBA for a minute? And this is always a topic that gets people fired up. Who is the best player in the NBA right now? I don't know. Uh, I'll let Christian. Christian, you want to start on this one? Who, who's the best player? Because I want to. It's it's a tough call, but you know what? I'm going with Giannis. Led his team to the championship last year. He's five-time All-Star five-time All-NBA team, MVP in his own right, and he is in the prime of his career. And I know a lot of teams got hurt in the playoffs last year, and so many people said that was why the Suns and the Bucks made it as far as they did. But the Bucks really earned that championship, and a lot of the times Giannis was the very best player on the court throughout. I almost want to go with LeBron just because he's been the best for so long. But... Times change. Giannis is such a dominant player. No, he doesn't have a great outside shot, but when that dude runs into the paint, hardly anyone can stop him. He's one of the best defenders in the league. He has showed you could build a team around him and win. I mean, 
the Bucks team was solid, but really, who were their other superstars? They Middleton is maybe on the fringe of it, but Giannis carries that team on his back. That's an interesting point. I mean, Giannis is fantastic, but for me, it's it's between Durant and LeBron, where it, it's tough to choose one or the other because Durant is almost he's you know he has that same ability because I'm going to use the word best here the best the word best is kind of it's subjective in that there's so many different things that you know best player could mean where they could be you know you look at LeBron you know I just the argument for the sake of argument I'll take LeBron here I say LeBron is still the best in the in the NBA because he still has that ability to build a team around him just sort of because of his presence and if you if you put Durant, I mean Durant is on the Nets, and yeah, he got a couple of people to go there, and I mean the Nets are going to be very solid contenders this year, but LeBron is still the best because he's, you know, as a player, he's more than just the best player. I I don't know how to word this correctly, but I guess it's just as a player, LeBron is fantastic on the court. He's the anchor of the team. He's able to build any. He could go to any organization; they would build around him. The same. Uh, I don't know about the hairline though it's receding a little bit he has the ability to fix it though I I wish I could do that as well as he does he can I mean and then on top of that he's the best player in the NBA also as because when you're a player in the NBA you're directly a representative of the NBA and I think that LeBron has taken the game to new heights and it's he's transcended just being you know just a normal player he's the best because of his marketability too the nba has global reach with lebron james at the same time he just acted in a movie he was in space jam 2 on top of that uh lebron is you know a good representative of the sport uh, arguably the most popular that is still active uh so when i look at best player you know obviously on the court he has a major presence he's still incredibly effective as a player he, you know the Lakers are still building around him. They take guidance from him. It's not often that you listen, you trust your entire team building with one player's, you know, advice. You look at the Bucks; they did that with Brady. They won and won a title. Uh, LeBron brought so many people in, and then the Lakers won out and won a title, no matter, you know, some people may debate if it was a, a Mickey title, as someone in the studio might say. That person being Justin Zimmer. Uh... Uh, but I, I like LeBron because he's multifaceted as a player. He's multifaceted as a player because he's not he's more than just a player, and that adds to so much as a as a person and a player here in the NBA. That's why I guess LeBron is the best. See, Ben, though, I think you're putting maybe a little bit too much weight into all of the off-the-court things. Yeah, he he's a great GM. And he competes for the MVP every he, single year as he, a player. He does as well, but is a 37-year-old LeBron better than a 27-year-old Giannis? It might it might be close, but I'm, I'm going to have to take the, the youth on that one. And Giannis said himself, anybody can go out in free agency and make a super team and win. It's much harder to win at home. Yeah, Le- LeBron, he might well, LeBron win LeBron did that. Yeah, he, he did, but... He, d- he did the best of everything he won a title in every single different scenario yeah he left and then he came back when they were a little bit better but that's a whole different (laughs) LeBron is a great player but he's getting up there he's hasn't showed signs of decline yet 
But Father Time... I think time, that's what adds into it, it, it is, but... Is that he's shown longev- longevity as a player, where most people, when you're 37 years old and in the NBA, you're kind of on the tail end of your career, yet LeBron is still out there actively competing for MVPs like last year. But Giannis is winning the MVPs. I mean, Giannis won it, but who was in contention for most of the season when Giannis was out with injury? It was, but then you could say Giannis was able to even overcome his injury and win the MVP. It, it, it's splitting hairs it's, here. It's it splitting is. hairs, but it, that's why it's so close. I, that's why I don't know. I think the reason why LeBron is the best player is because ultimately he just has much more reach than Giannis as a, as a person and a, indirectly a player in the NBA. Where I went over, I, I don't want to repeat what I said earlier, but again, LeBron to be a player in the NBA. Uh, you know, you're in, again an indirect or directly a representative of the NBA, and LeBron does a lot more for the sport than Giannis does. And on top of that, he proves it on the court that he's still a fantastic player. Arguably, I mean, last year he was he didn't win MVP, but he's won so many MVPs. And on top of that, he was the best at numerous points last year. I don't see that changing heading into this year. I think he's the best in the NBA. And I I could be wrong here because I'm honestly just glancing over the stats right now, but the only stat that I see LeBron was better at last year than Giannis was assists per game. And LeBron has focused a lot of his games, a lot of his game towards getting his teammates involved, becoming a great passer. So his numbers could be elevated if he wanted them, but Giannis is averaging more points. He's, a better defender, a better rebounder. I guess you could say that LeBron is a team manager, I guess. He's, he's better at managing and uplifting the entire team around him. Even though, yes, Giannis and you know the Bucs won the title. Uh, but LeBron goes out of his way where he, he takes weight off of himself to try and like help his surrounding players and have a better surrounding team rather than it's me, it's my show, I'm just going to be a diva, and everybody can, it's the LeBron show. Which, you know, sometimes people may paint it that way, but, I mean, ultimately LeBron is, he's improved as a, as a, a player in, you know, trying to help those around him. So, I don't know. I just still think he's the best in multifaceted. That's fair. To be fair to both of you all, though, uh, last year's MVP was Nikola Jokic. That's so right. Uh, mm. That's right. Good point. Uh, so, uh, I guess to round it out today, we'll go back to the NFL to finish things off. Who has been the most impressive player through the first four weeks of the season in the NFL? Oh, boy. Uh, the best, the most impressive players so far. I mean, you look at Kyler Murray, who is just having a fantastic year. It's hard to, it's hard to argue against Kyler Murray. Uh, but then again, I don't know. I'll let, I'll, I want to take a tougher challenge here because, you know, if I'm going to win, I want to argue a, a difficult point here. Uh I think my fun answer, most impressive player through the first four weeks is Trayvon Diggs. Cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys, Trayvon is a second-round player, uh, you know, from last year. Nobody, I mean, he's from Alabama, but there was, I believe, seven different corners drafted ahead of him in the draft just last year. He showed flashes of being impressive last year, but he leads the league in interceptions. He had two last game. And just as a fun stat, he has as many receptions in each game this year, or he every game that Stefan Diggs has had an, a reception Trayvon has had a reception and Trayvon is a corner you know Trayvon is elevating the Dallas defense to a level it hasn't seen in years he's incredibly impressive 
and he's only a second-year player. Uh, you know, he's arguably he's won so many uh, you know defensive player of the week awards in just a row this season. He's undeniably making an, an impact in the Cowboys' playoff chances, and he's dragging that defense into relevancy with his play. That Dallas hasn't had a, a top corner in years, and here comes Trayvon Diggs. Uh, he might. I mean, he. I believe he just won uh, NFC Defensive Player of the Month, uh, and it's incredible. Uh, Trayvon Diggs has been incredibly impressive through the first couple of weeks here in the season. Uh, I'd like to. I want to pick Trayvon Diggs because. Again, he's just been fantastic for a second-year player, not even drafted in the first round. He's done fantastic. The guy who has impressed me the most is a guy who came into this year with his stock honestly fairly low. People calling him a first-round bust, and now he looks like he could potentially be a franchise quarterback. I'm going with Sam Darnold. Darnold has had a really solid start to the season. He did lose the last game against Dallas. But you know how many helped. picks that Trayvon Diggs had against Sam Darnold? He had two, but, well, I, Darnold had two picks last week. Were both of them against Trayvon? Trayvon had both okay. picks. Okay, but Darnold has had a great start to the year. He has thrown over half of what he did last year in 12 games in just four games this year. He is on pace to smash his career high in passing yards. He should be over 4,000 yards at the end of the season. And then the dude out of nowhere has turned into a dual-threat quarterback as well. He's ran for five touchdowns this year. He had only ran for five touchdowns in his first three seasons in the league. You get the man away from the Jets, and granted, he did have one bad game against the Cowboys where he threw two picks, but he still threw for over 300 yards that game as well, kept his team in the game. He has a team in the Panthers who a lot of people did not expect much out of in a really good spot right now. The Panthers look very smart trading for Darnold this offseason. His stock has skyrocketed so much. He is my most impressive player. All right. Well, though, those were some pretty good points, some uh, good arguments made by both people. But for the winner of today's program... It is Christian Palmer. It was a good effort by both men, but I just feel like in the, particularly in the NBA debate, Ben, you focused a lot on what LeBron had done, yeah. whereas Christian focused on what Giannis has been doing. So that was the slight edge. Both very uh, competitive, but we got to go. Thank you all for tuning in uh, to Sports Buzz. Ever think of yourself as a human garbage can? Why can't you be more like him? Do you think you need to eat that? Nice hair. Did you use a weed whacker? Are you really that dense? Quit being a wuss. Baby, I love you. But either put out or get out.